All right. Well, good morning, and uh, I have a couple of corrections. Uh, first of all, apparently I posted on Facebook to read Genesis, uh, and I meant to say Romans. So, uh, yeah, so here's what's happening. I'm writing these outlines for Honduras, which is Genesis. Uh, I'm studying in Romans for Sunday school and writing outlines for that. Then I'm emailing Jim to get the Genesis outlines translated, and I'm also looking ahead to the book of Ruth, where we're going after we finish Romans, and so uh, my feeble mind, uh, I meant Romans. So we're going to be in Romans again, chapter 12, <clears throat> verses 9 through 21. The... Chris, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just disturbed. Yeah, well... We know that, and we knew that before you got here. <laughs> so, not, nothing surprising about that. You know what? Yeah, Chris, you can just disregard our conversation earlier. Yeah, I understand. So we just kept looking for verse twenty-one. Yeah, I know. So. That's wonderful. When we get to the humility part, please remind us of that because we will talk about that. No. Uh, so Genesis chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. So here's my struggle this week. Uh, when I, and I, I actually talked to a pastor friend about this last night. I said, what do you do when you get to a passage that is so plain? How do you teach that? How do you expand upon it? And th that was my struggle, which is why I, I meant to tell you to, you know, come prepared to discuss Romans. Apparently I told you to come <laughs> prepared to discuss Genesis. So, yeah, when we get to verse 9 uh, or, or, or past verse 9 and, and into the, basically it's a list of right behavior. So the title of the lesson this morning is Christian Behavior, Part 1. This, this section of Romans is where Paul is basically just telling us how to behave as Christians. And these, uh, these verses that are in chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, to me at least, for me, when I read them, there's no gray area. Especially just do these things, Christian, and, and here's what you do. So uh, I'll have some remarks on the, the, when we get started on the first two verses here. Uh, verses 9 and 10, but it, it, past that, beyond that, uh, we'll read them and we'll consider them, and I'll be looking for a lot of help from you uh, as far as discussion uh, goes. We'll, we'll go ahead and read, uh, well, let's just do the whole, read the whole chapter, uh, and yeah, maybe I'm stalling for time a little bit there, uh, <laughs> but that's okay, but it'll reset the context for us as well. So Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, 
are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Uh, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And then our, our focus verses. Let us love without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, of course, these verses fall right on the heels of what we talked about last week, and that was the uh, the Christian the, or the the uh, spiritual gifts that are given and listed in Romans chapter twelve, and, and these do relate to those gifts. We had a great discussion last week about those gifts, what they look like, um, how they're how they're employed in the body of Christ, and also it's a benefit to us to recognize that this also falls on the heels of Paul's using the metaphor of us as being one body. And so we're different members with different functions, yet we, we are tight, attached. And, and it's not just that we are that, done that way to serve Christ. We are. But likewise, we're also uh, members of the same body that we serve one another in the same way that our you, you know our body functions in the same way our feet carry uh, the rest of our body to places that we need to be our hands feed our mouths to, to, to provide nourishment our eyeballs look and see where we need to go and help us to avoid dangers uh, the brain it all works together and benefits one another and so as we look into these these verses understand that it's not just a list of do's and don'ts it is that but it's also for the benefit of the entire body in other words we've got to look outside ourselves to understand these verses to understand why this is important uh, we've got to get beyond ourselves and understand that we are here to glorify christ and to benefit to benefit the body of christ and I think if we get that focus in mind, it, it makes these verses a little more valuable, if you will, or helps us understand why they're written the way that they are. The rest of the book of Romans, uh, 
is going to talk to us about how to behave as Christians. You know, we've run through different sections in the book of Romans as Paul wrote his epistle. And he began, if you recall, in the very first part to deal with uh, the sinfulness of man and, uh, and the, the tragedy of sin, the depth of sin, all those things. And then he turns his attention to grace and the salvation provided. And now we're looking into this final section, and, and Paul, and basically you could write a giant, therefore, because of all of those things, uh, as Christians, here's how you behave. Here's how you live. Here's how you should function as the body of Christ. And so it begins here uh, in chapter 9, and he says to let love be without hypocrisy. So he's talking about the possession of Christian love without hypocrisy. Now, the word love here, how many knows the, the, the four Greek words that are translated as love in the Bible? Uh, what are, do, you, do, you, do you remember what's them? What's one of them? Agape, right? What's another one? Eros. Yeah, eros. Uh, phileo. And there's a, there's a fourth one. Storge. Very good, yes. I, I, did. I went blank. I couldn't remember. So, and that one's family love, basically. Uh, well, the word here is agape. And this is the one that we're most familiar with. Uh, and it's that, it's that all-encompassing, self-sacrificing, motiva- motivated by nothing else. It's just love freely given. And so when he says to love without hypocrisy, this is the word that Paul uses. Uh, in one sense, you might say it is the highest love. And it loves without obligation. It's a non-conditional love. But it's interesting that he says to do so without hypocrisy. In other words, he says to do this sincerely. Turn over to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 13 quickly and leave your your marker there. We'll be back in Romans. Um, And this kind of gives us a little context for this, uh, why he inserts this, this phrase of we're loving without hypocrisy. Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, says this, Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So here's what's going on. This is that that early church. uh, Peter basically felt peer pressure to listen to those who wanted to demand that circumcision be added to the act of salvation, to to hold on to this old part of the Jewish law. And it, it was so bad, the peer pressure was so bad, that even he, and he mentions Barnabas here, uh, who is Barnabas? We talked about him last week in the spiritual gifts lesson. Who's Barnabas? What's he known for? Encourage. Encourage. Yeah, he's the one that reaches down and encourages and lifts. Even he, even he got caught up in this. And note that 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 Paul uses the same word here: hypocrisy. So why does Paul call this hypocrisy on behalf of Peter and Barnabas? I'll give you a moment to think about it. Ask that question one more time. Why, why in Galatians here does Paul call this hypocrisy? 
when Peter and Barnabas even bow to those who are demanding circumcision be added to salvation. Are you raising your hand or scratching your cheek? <laughs> Well, they are distinguished, but that doesn't make it hypocrisy. Why? What makes it hypocrisy? What is hypocrisy? Like play acting. Yeah. Pretending. Absolutely. In fact, the the root word has to do with theater and acting, pretending to be something that you are not. Well, you said the the love that it speaks to is agape love, which is unconditional. And it sounds to me like in Galatians... This is very conditional. Okay. That's where I was going. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And so what is conditional? What are we making conditional? Salvation. Salvation. That's exactly right. So did Peter and Barnabas know better in their heart of hearts? Absolutely. They did. And this is what makes it hypocrisy. And that's what I, what I wanted us to get to. They felt, they felt peer pressure to... to to bend, to compromise. I don't think they blatantly said, okay, we're going to change the gospel. I don't believe that was in Peter's heart at all. But I believe so much peer pressure came upon them that in hypocrisy, they didn't stand up for what was true. They didn't go back to the word and say, no, this is the word of God. This is the gospel. And Paul is the one who withstands them in this situation. And fortunately... Thankfully, gracefully, Peter comes to his senses and, and, and never does this again as far as I know. But you can imagine the, the peer pressure there. And, and I believe this is why Paul puts this verse in Romans. That because this was such an issue, not just circumcision, but so many parts of the Old Testament tradition. It was so, so we just cannot get hold of how hard it was for them to move from that, to transition from that to grace, just a grace salvation. Forgiveness by faith through grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But yet that is the case. And that is the new covenant, see? And it is just as firm, if not more so, than the old covenant. Do you understand that the word Old Testament and New Testament are the same words for covenant? So the New Testament, salvation, this is a blood covenant with God. Understand that. And so to, to change from that is hypocrisy. Now, go back to the book of Romans. Yes, sir. Also, I kind of see something that I think we have struggled with traditionally in the modern church, which is something that is part of our value system that is all shared. And yeah. we, we, as, we as a church have a tendency to have similar values but we have a tendency to tie those to doctrine, which is extra biblical. That's where I'm headed. Perfect. That's exactly where we're headed. And, and so that becomes the application for us, doesn't it? So Paul's writing here, and he says to have this love agape. Have this agape and do it without hypocrisy. In other words, don't compromise. Don't bend. Don't bow to peer pressure. Just freely give this to the brotherhood, even when there's disagreement. And are there disagreements in the brotherhood? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. that was weak. <laughs> of course, of course. Never, never up on Sand Mountain, right? Uh, so I have, I have a, a friend that I've met recently, and here's where we run into it more often than not. It, it, it's, there's, 
this traditional, I'll just say independent, fundamental, KJV only doctrine that is not from God. Now, understand this. And in fact, he has a ministry, a podcast called uh, what is it? The Recovering Fundamentalist, <laughs> which is a little comical. Uh, and, and I appreciate him. And, and I think he has his own story. And I think there was so much damage there. It, you know, he and some others are trying to recover from that, those things. I grew up in that same church, and I got to tell you, in that in that same type of church, and I got to tell you, there's so many things that I'm thankful for, and I was blessed by, and so many things were done well, and so many things were done right. But were there times and situations where people were ostracized because they didn't play exactly the same way? Yes, and, and this is what Paul is talking about. This is what Paul is talking about. And you can have convictions. And, and, you can, and you can set standards for yourself. But we are not to ostracize others if they don't hold the exact same traditions and standards that you do. And, and, and folks, we could, spend, we could make a list and spend all day. I mean, churches have split over music. That was a big one. If you had drums in the church, there was a time if you had a set of drums in the church, there were people who were just convinced that the whole group was going to hell. And I, I don't, I'm not joking. I mean, they, they were that serious. Churches have split over the color of the songbook, color of the carpet, you, you name it. Um, women wearing pants, music, I mean, you, you name it. And we're not talking, these, you're not going to find these things in black and white scripture verses. They are convictions. What you got, darling? I was raised in the same atmosphere. <clears throat> and I also, and I'm, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. I, many, many, many good things I was taught. And I also attended a college that continued on those thoughts same, in the same vein and when I got out of college and I got my first job I was working for a, a, a ministry that was pretty much predominantly Presbyterian businessmen okay the whole thrust of this ministry was sharing the gospel mm -hmm. and when I found out was it with D. James Kennedy the no, Evangelism Explosion Movement? No, or? this was okay. uh, Christian Businessmen's Committee. Oh, yeah. Okay. I could not believe that... Pre I was told Presbyterians... Yeah. I couldn't believe there were these godly Presbyterian men who were meeting every week, sharing the gospel with their business partners and their, their customers. I was like... I, I felt like I had been misled oh sure me too and, and we felt like most of the southern baptists were lost too. well <laughs> this has also been a bone of contention in my family when our family moved here to yeah. Silver heights my parents actually refused to come to church with us because we're southern baptists yeah but that was all it was all in the same vein uh so i ever since then took a very hard look at my own life and started 
I didn't care about what your denomination was. I just wanted to know what have you done with Jesus. Sure. There you go. And after that, I, my whole world opened up. Yes. And I was able to fellowship and share, you know, a bond. And you can go to work. Other places I went to work after that, you, the Christians you would meet up with, you would just have a bond with them. And then you would find out they were Methodist or they were. And so my whole world thinking changed. Right. Um, but it's a lifetime recovery. Yeah. It is a lifetime yeah. recovery. And, and so here's the thing. How do we determine? There are separation doctrines. There are doctrines where we should separate and not fellowship. But those are very, very few. The, and the key one is the gospel. We don't compromise on the gospel. And this is what we just read in Galatians. This is why Paul withstood Peter. And I, I believe that word means he, you know, they got nose to nose. They, it was like fist pounding like, no, Peter, we are not going to compromise on this because this is the gospel. And again, thankfully, you know, Peter conformed to this, to the gospel. Not to Paul, but to the gospel. But these other doctrines, these other choices are not separation doctrines because why? We are to love beyond that. And, and I don't want to spend a lot more time on this, but though, I mean, that's, that's the key. It doesn't mean that you necessarily agree with everything. That there will always be disagreements. But understand this. Oh, you know what? In, in Honduras, they don't go to church the way that we do. In China, in, in Zimbabwe, or any place you want to, they, they don't carry the same traditions. That doesn't mean they're lost. He's the same God overall. And it's the same gospel. And so to get this nitpicking and conforming and demanding that people meet our tradition, that's loving with hypocrisy. And that's what I think Paul is talking about here in Romans because of the verse in Galatians. I, I believe that's what he's talking about. Good. All right, let's move on. All right, so for the rest of... So following this, he just talks about the avoidance of evil. Uh, so he, he, he says, um, abhor evil. In other words, treat it as, as horror. That, that's what that word means. You, you see evil, you should run from it. You should, be, uh, not, you should get away from it, turn from it, and cling to what is good. And that's how you abhor evil. Now, following this, he, he gives basically a list. And it, all I can do with this, the best I can do with this, I, I kind of made verse groupings and uh, so verse to me, and this is my interpretation, verses 9 and 10 go together, verses 11 and 12, verses 13 through 15, verse 16 stands alone, and then verse 17 through 21. Topically, to me, this is how I see these verses. So we talked about 9 and 10. Let's look at 11 and 12. Uh, not lagging in diligence, uh, well, let's look at 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. So he starts right off in verse 10. Be kind to one another. Uh, it again, seems so obvious, but how often do we fail to do that? Uh, 
that's we we want to be kind to one another. We think that we're kind to one another, but often we, for one reason or another, we don't do these things and, and we fail. And Paul again is saying, if you're going to function as the body of Christ, go back to the metaphor. Uh, do you ever stomp on your own foot for fun? <laughs> no, I hope not. If you do, come see me. We need to get you some help. Uh, one part of the body takes care of the other part, does it not? And so this is what he's saying. Look out for one another. Take care of one another. Reach out to one another. And, and I'm not preaching to you because this class does a tremendous, tremendous job of that. Oh, and I and I and I poke fun because that's who I am. Uh, but the, what Robin's getting started with the ladies fellowshipping and getting together just for your own edification and, and loving on one another, it's been great. This is what he's talking about. We should do those things. Reach out to one another. Uh, seek to help one another. Even not doing this because there's necessarily an upcoming need, but just. To get together, to love one another, uh, it just it should be a common practice, and this is what Paul's talking about: be kindly, affectionate to one another, with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. What does he mean by giving preference to one another? What does that phrase mean to you? What you got? Putting others above. That's it. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. So it, it's this this uh, putting them ahead of your own needs. When I was in a... Anybody here? Darla, I'm counting on you. Did you ever go to training union when you were a kid? Is that what they called it? It was, it was sunshine, sunshine Girls. Sunshine Girls. Okay. Ours was just called training union, union and we, it was boys and girls together. Uh, and it was what you did on Sunday evenings mm -hmm. and if you were in the kids program. Uh, and it was, uh, we had our own little room up there and we could be loud and bounce off the walls and mom didn't care because she wasn't in the room with us. So <laughs> she didn't know how we behaved. It was her respite. Um, but this, one of the songs that we sang almost every week was Jesus and others and you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. And it had a nice little melody. I would sing that when I, I much, much preferred the one about Christian soldiers because I got to march real loud and I, had to make, I got to make airplane sounds and artillery sounds. And I wasn't that spiritual, but I liked making those loud noises. But I sang the Jesus and others. And looking back now, you know, that's a sweet little song. And I thought, well, they're just trying to make us nice because they want us to be polite. Uh, and I'd much rather be out in the yard playing football. But no. Uh, but it's biblical, isn't it? And we see that. And that's what this verse is talking about. Very simply. Jesus and others and you. That's the order. You put Jesus first and then others. And in this context, the others is the body of Christ. That's another thing to realize about these verses. He's not talking about unbelievers yet. He's talking about how Christians should treat one another in the body of Christ. And by the way, this, this is for everybody. It's not just that I should reach out to the worldlies. The worldlies should reach out to me. See? And they should benefit me. And they should be a blessing to me. And they are. And they do. And, and vice versa. And so it, it's just the body of Christ treating itself correctly. All right? 
oh wow, I'm already out of time. I thought I had nothing to say. <laughs> Go figure, right? I can always say too much. Verses 13 and 15, uh, oh, I'm sorry, verse 11 and 12, it's also a proactive call. It, it means be intentional. Look for a way to show love. Don't wait for it to just come to you. Go out and look for that way. Be intentional. We, you, you know, mark this on your calendar. Do what you, what you have to do to make this a priority in your life to be proactive. Verses 13 and 15 are a call to empathy. A call to empathy. It says, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Man, I, I read this and I thought about the, uh, the spiritual gifts lesson last week and we talked about this gift, didn't we? Some have this gift. I struggle with this. I, I really do. Uh, but there's so many who have this gift. And, and, and I love what it said. It, you rejoice with those who are rejoicing, but you weep with those who are weeping. I mean, so many people, they just want to come and they want to uh, sing sunshine into life when it's time to weep. And we're told there's a, there's a place and a time under the sun for everything. There's a time to weep. And sometimes the best thing you can do is shut up and cry with them. That there's a time and a place for that. I often tell this story about I was teaching in a Christian camp years ago up there at uh, Standing Stone State Park. Yep. And uh, uh, we we having a prayer time invitation. I don't remember, but there was a young lady there, and, and she was just weeping and sobbing in, in the altar. And I was trying to, to help her, and I was trying to share the gospel. And, uh, and, and, and she'd settled down, and, and of course you know me, Mr. Gentle Smooth Guy. I'd take the Bible, you know. <laughs> and, sure, and she'd just, oh, she'd start crying again. And just, and, and Sister Linda came up. And, and actually, she didn't come up. I, told, I, look, I, went, I looked for help after about the third time. I'm looking around. I'm getting nowhere. And, uh, and I, I, I was like, Linda, come here, come here, come here. And she came over and she just started patting this young lady on the shoulder. That's all she did. She just had a little touch. Just a little motherly pat and touch and calmed her down. And then she led her to Christ just that easy. Mm -hmm. Well, I never felt so useless. <laughs> Bump on a log. But folks, that's what it took. And she knew how to do that. I wanted to get down to business. Mm -hmm. Sister Linda knew how to show empathy. And that's what, what was needed in that moment. And, and, and Linda had that gift among many, many other gifts. Verse 16 is a call to humility. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Lower yourselves. Bring yourself to the, to the needy. To, to the, and it doesn't mean just to give to them, but to bring yourself to their level. Reach to their level. Sit with them. Have a meal with them. And by the way, don't think you're doing some great service. This chapter started with, this is your reasonable service. This is what you should do. And you know why you shouldn't think more of yourself? Because you ain't more. That's the simplest thing. We're not better. One is not above another in the body of Christ. We're equal in the eyes of God. And that's regardless of your education, your financial standing, anything else. 
And, and so, and I could speak more to this, but for sake of time, I won't. It's a call to humility. Then verses 17 through 21, uh, he talks about, and this is where I, I told you he's talking about this is how we, he talks about the body of Christ treating each other. These verses probably include the unbeliever too because he uses the word enemies. But even that can be believers, can it, from time to time. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now that's not always possible, is it? This is not a verse called to pacifism, and that's often misinterpreted and used that way. As, uh, if you strike my jaw because you're angry over something with God, hopefully I'll turn the other cheek, and I'll take that hit. If you come through my house in the middle of the night and threaten my family, I'm probably going to blow you away. And I hope it never, never happens. But... As much as it depends on me, I'll live peaceably, but don't push it too far. And I think that's scriptural. I think we can see that in other places in scripture. But the, the, the context here is, to, is, is getting along with other believers and, and reaching out and, and trying to avoid making more enemies out of enemies and, and greater enemies. You can disagree with that interpretation if you like. Uh, that's how I see it. Verse 19 goes on. It said, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, say, uh, says the Lord. Verse 20 then, he quotes from Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 and 22. And so for a better understanding of the context, I encourage you to go to those verses, uh, Proverbs chapter 25, and read uh, even beyond verses 21 and 22, or prior to 21 and 22. Uh, but he quotes them here and says, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire upon his head. Now, don't do it with that motivation. Don't say, I'm going to be nice so I make them miserable. No, you're supposed to be humble in this. You're supposed to reach out to your enemy, even when that's... Uh, uh, possible and and then do not be uh do not be overcome with evil but overcome evil with good so this this principle is repeated again how do we avoid evil well do good if you're struggling with evil do more good and and that's as plain and simple as i know to say it you say well how do you do good well you know the things that are good but you all have 24 hours in your day and if you're struggling with two or three hours of your day when you're drawn to evil, we'll schedule some good for those hours. Make it be intentional about it. Now, next week, uh, when we come back, we'll be in Romans, not Genesis. We'll be in Romans, and we'll start chapter 13. Here he's going to talk to the believer about how we deal with government. Okay? And so we'll show fascinating conversation, I'm sure, look to forward to next week. I love you all. Get out of here. We'll see you next week.